Turning to Luke chapter 15. 我们翻开路加福音第十五章，我们开始我们的时间。Luke chapter 15. We'll start. We'll just read verse from 25 right now. 我们从路加福音第十五章的二十五节开始。And you'll recognize we're in the middle of the story of the prodigal son. 你会注意到我们是在那浪子的故事当中。Verse 25, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young a goat or fatted calf that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devour, devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said, now this is the father speaking. And he said to them, him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now, would you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, if you have a Bible with you? Jeremiah 31, and verse 20. God is speaking through Jeremiah. And he says in verse 20, Is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him, declares the Lord. I just to clarify, Ephraim, one of the sons of Joseph, this represents a group of God's people that had sort of turned and were repenting. Let's hear the Lord's words again. He says, Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him. And then finally turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23. And verse 37. And this is, you can imagine, Jesus is actually probably coming down the hill and he's seeing Jerusalem as he comes down by uh, from Mount Olives. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. 耶路撒冷啊, 耶路撒冷啊, 
Father, we thank you for this hymn we just sang that speaks of your divine love. And it speaks of how that love not only has saved us, but has uh, predestined us to a, a glorious future with you. Not only have you blessed us tremendously, you call us even into more blessing. Now, as we turn to these passages, Lord, we ask you to show us more about what it means to be your son. Lord, it's our desire as a true son to understand your heart. We are trusting right now in the Holy Spirit's help in speaking and translating and mostly in our hearing, uh, hearing from you. We ask you to have your way with our ideas, our understanding, and our heart. We pray in Jesus' name. So, what I'm sharing on this morning is you, uh, has to do with a, a, a sensing of, of what our God's heart is about. And the thought that we're really talking about today is what is a true son? And one aspect of being a true son is that a son aligns themselves with the heart of the, his father. And then as you've heard, we'll be looking at some passages from Jeremiah. And the reason we're sharing from that is just over the last few months, as I've passed through that part of the Bible, I've been very struck with the Lord speaking through Jeremiah from his heart. And struck by the intensity of God's yearning for us. Yearning for those who have fallen completely. Yearning for to restore us. And yearning to then have us in fellowship with him. So I we want to go back to the story of the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 15. Now I want to ask you to pretend you don't know this story so well. Because you all know it so well. I want you just to don't think of all the wonderful lessons you know from the prodigal son. And just imagine and listen uh, to what I'm suggesting. Imagine you come over the hillside and you see a farm. Now, if you're from China, maybe it's a Chinese farm. Uh, not a communist collective farm. And not an American current farm, which is just all machines, combines and all that. No, no, no. Back in Jesus' time, what would a farm consist of? Or the early days in this country? 
There are servants and people in the field harvesting grain. There are herds of animals. And there are people taking care of the animals. And there may be some people actually killing and preparing some animals for food. And there's some kind of house and multiple houses. And people are busy inside uh, doing things. And there's a farmer, he's the father. And he's in charge of that place. What's this farm really like that Jesus told us about in this parable? Well, given who the father is in this story, we can say this is an ideal, wonderful farm. You can have any positive thought you want about this farm because we know the father represents God. So approach this farm, we see there's wealth. We see there's good equipment. Beautiful house. We might even see a wagon going off to the market carrying a lot of produce to sell. We see family members working. And we see servants working. And of course, as we know from this story, he had herds. When it came time to celebrate, there was a fatted calf. It wasn't like he had to say, hmm, do we have any worth there? No, he has a herd, so it's not a problem. They had nice robes for special occasions. Robes. And as we know from the son's testimony, when the son, the prodigal son, was feeding pigs, he thought back and said, You know, even my father's hired hands had enough to eat. In other words, the servants on this farm were actually in very good place. They were fed well. They were had a purpose. They were part of an operation that was good. So unlike the place the prodigal son got stuck, where he it was so cruel that he had couldn't even eat the corn cob husks that he was feeding to the pigs. In his father's farm, it was good for everybody, from the lowest to the highest. And what else do we learn from the prodigal son when he talks about his father's farm? We already referred to verse 19 because he talked about how his father treats his hired servants. But also, isn't it interesting that this prodigal son still felt like he could go back to his father? Even though he had done such an awful thing, and his father had every reason to just reject him, you know, in some cultures, people disown their children. I'll never have you back. And yet somehow this son knew that his father had a compassionate heart, enough that he might let him be a slave on the farm. 
可是这个浪子却想说有可能他父亲愿意让他在农场上做一个故宫 So what does that tell us about the farmer's character? Jesus has given us a, a picture of an ideal farm. Now, what's the real valuable thing in the farm? Is it the equipment? No. Is it this, the herds? Sort of, but they could die off and you could still keep going. Is it the food in the silo? They're going to sell that. What's valuable is the farm operation itself. And that all comes from the leader. That all comes from the farmer's mind, his heart, his planning. So it's the farmer's know-how, his character, his planning, the principles that come out of his head are what is of value there. Verse 31, notice what the father says. To the other son, he says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. What does he mean? All that is, that is mine. He doesn't mean something that's in the bank account. It doesn't mean 12 cows You know, we always think that way because here we have possessions and we know how much it's worth and how much we're in debt and how much we could sell it for. And if we sell a business and we have partners, we have to divide up all the money. But for that father, what is mine? What, is, what does he have there? And I'm suggesting today what he has is the whole operation. The whole place. All that's going on. All that wonderful work. All that blessing because people are fed and they're and they're and 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 they're producing something for other people. That's what's there. And he's saying to that son, This is yours. You're a part of it. Look at verse 32. He says, then says, It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. So this picture of the farm is actually a picture of life with the Lord. When that son left the farm and wasted all his money, he went into death, really. He wasn't participating in life. So the father is so grateful that he's back and he's part of life. Does this make sense? Let's think about the other brother. Verse 29. What does the other brother, how does he view this farm? And 
In verse 29, he says, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. What does that show us about his understanding of what his father is doing? Is this a kind of view that a son who's really growing into sonship has? Or let's put it the other way. You can imagine if you're the farmer, and you have this son, which would you rather have? A son who follows your rules, because he said, I've obeyed you. Or a son who understands the principles of the business. Would you rather have someone who knows how to do things on the farm? He's done everything. He knows how to take care of the animals. He knows how to do the fields. But as a father, wouldn't you want a son who understands why you do everything? Why do we do this and why do we do that? If my son understands why, what happens when things come up? What happens if things change? Now, most of you have business experience. You understand this would be true on the business level. But let's think of the farm on the spiritual level. Does son understand why the father is in business in the first place? What's the point? What's the point of this farm? What's the purpose of it? Is it just to amass wealth for me, the farmer? Currently in business in the United States, everything is about whoever owns it, the only goal is to get rich. Not this farmer. Or, or do we understand in this case why the farmer is in this to bless other people? Why he does this is to bless his family and to bless his workers and to bless the people he's selling the food to and to bless those he's in partnership with and trading with. That's the why. If I'm a farmer, I want my son to understand that. doing the tasks. How can I trust him, entrust the whole business to him if he doesn't understand why? So wouldn't it be better if a son is doing those things out of the same desire and heart that the father has? And so now, of course, we see in this story that we're all so familiar with, the most dramatic thing at the center of the story is the father's compassionate heart. We see it because the prodigal son comes back and, and we see that heart as the, the father is waiting for him to return. We all know that back in verse 20 it says, But while he was still, uh, still a long way, his father saw him and felt compassion. 
我们在二十节看到他相离还远，他父亲看见就动了慈心。And this father was yearning for the return of his fallen son。所以这个父亲他是在恋慕着等待他的堕落的儿子可以回来。So much so he was watching for him。所以他是这样子的恋慕，他一直在等。And then he threw a party，然后他就啊庆祝。Probably the party was bigger than the one we were at last night. For those of you falling asleep because you're so tired. I think this party was better. Sorry, Albert. But this party, this father threw was probably bigger than this. So what's behind this father's heart? And let me before we turn a little bit, I want to ask, think about the two sons now. We know the first son has a lot to learn. I mean, the, the son that was obeying, he has a lot to learn. Because he's really experienced the grace of his father and the love of his father. But we wonder what would happen next, what happened for the next five years. So I have some questions for me and for you. How about you? Where are you in understanding your father, God? Your Father in Heaven. 你在认识你父天父的的心上面，呃，呃，有多少？ Where are you in understanding what your Father is really doing? 你你到底在认识你天父在做什么？ And why He's doing what He's doing? 他为什么在做他所做的？ What's your and my understanding of God's compassion? 我们对于神的怜悯到底有多认识？ What is God longing for? I know I fall far short. Despite many years as, as a child of him. But let's consider that together. Where are you in understanding your father's heart? So I'd like to take some moments now and go back to the book of Jeremiah. As we see our Lord express his heart so vividly in these, in these prophecies. Now if you've read Jeremiah or the book right after that, Ezekiel, recently, you will hear God's longing and his yearning coming through these books. These are both written at the time that, that the fall of, of Israel and Judah, that where they fall into captivity, is, is about to happen or just happened with so in in big dramatic ways the people of God have failed him. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter two and just look at a couple of verses at the beginning. So Jeremiah two verse one. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred, incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. Yehoha 
So what you have here, just like you have throughout this book, you have God using um, the picture of love and devotion uh, when he talks about his people. Says, I remember your devotion as a, in your youth and your love as a bride. 神说，我记得你幼年的恩爱，婚姻的爱情。So it speaks here of how the people of God were uh, following Him.所以这讲到神的子民曾经如何跟随他。And from God's perspective, He viewed them as a bride.所以从神的角度，他看他们是像看一个新妇一样。And He used that language over and over in these books.所以这支书当中，他就经常的使用这个话。But look at verse four.第四节。Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, What wrong did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me, and went after worthlessness, and became worthless? So notice here, he's, he's turning the conversation. He's going to talk about how the people have left him and disobeyed. But he poses a question in such a way, it's almost like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> saying, what did I do wrong that you, you have rejected? And of course, not only did you go after that which was worthless, you became worthless because of it. Now, to really appreciate the intensity of what God is saying, we really have to uh, hear how he uses this, this picture. God wants a bride. What did he get? He got a harlot. A prostitute. So let's look at verse 20. As God speaks, listen to his heart. For long ago I broke your yoke and burst your bonds. He's speaking there, bringing his people out of Egypt. Not only did he bring them out of Egypt, he brought them to Mount Sinai and gave them the law. He gave them the tabernacle, a place where they could commune with the real God and could see that he was there. But what happened? He goes on, but you said, I will not serve. They rejected him. Yes, on every high hill and under every green tree, you bowed like a harlot. Remember that at this time, God had brought them in, established the temple in Jerusalem, and yet the people had gone and raised on their high places they create idol worship spots all over Israel and Judah. So imagine the bride that's supposed to be loyal to him has gone out and become the prostitute all over. Look at verse 21. Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? And then the next verse, he says, you are so, well, my words, you are so foul, you can't even be cleaned up. We can read the verse. Though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, 
The stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the Lord. The Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, Have you seen what she did, that faithless one Israel, speaking of the northern kingdom, how he went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the harlot? And I thought, this is God speaking, after she had done all this, she will return to me. There's God longing, saying, I know they've fallen, I know they've played the harlot, but I want them to return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. She saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one Israel, I have sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear. But she too went and played the harlot. So you you folks know most of you know the story well. Israel had nothing but bad king the northern kingdom, Israel, had nothing but bad king. They just failed, failed, failed. So God is saying, I wanted them to come back. But judgment fell on Israel first because they sinned so badly. But Judah, the southern kingdom, you had good kings and bad kings. There was kind of periods where they were seeking the Lord, like with Josiah, and then then a bad king, and just falling terribly down. So how does God see that? He sees it as these two uh, should have been wives dedicate loyal to him. So he's saying here in verse 8, at least Judah might have seen how badly Israel fell and how she had to be divorced. But that didn't change it for Judah and she was just as bad. Verse 9, because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, committing adultery with stone and tree. Yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah did not return to me with her whole heart. But in pretense, declares the Lord. In other words, sometimes Judah would sort of repent, on the surface repent, say, I'm worshiping you, God. But God knew it was just an act. Let's stay on this line. Now, we're really trying to see it from the way God is, is speaking. In, in chapter 9, there's a verse, verse 7. God's speaking through Jeremiah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and test them, for what else can I do because of my people? At that point, he's explaining why he has to bring this judgment because he has to discipline his children who have failed so badly. 
他看到他的子女，他的子女是这样子的啊堕落，所以他需要把这些啊审判带到他们。But when I read this now, I I hear the cry of a wounded parent. 可是当我读这些的时候，我听到了一个啊一个受伤的一个父母，他的他的呼喊。Say what else can I do? I have no choice but to discipline. 我说我能够做什么呢？我没有别的方法，我只能够管教。I don't want to bring this upon them, but I have no choice. What else can I do as a parent? Now, many parents in this room know the feeling. 我实在是不想这样做，可是我能够做什么呢？我唯一的能够的就是管教他们。我相信在座许多父母都有这样子的认识。Our wounded father yearning. Even as he talks and explains why he had to bring judgment, we see his heart. Now let's turn to um, oh, verse 23, same chapter. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight, and declares the Lord. So we want to turn our attention here. We see the more positive side. What is the, the Lord yearning for? Even as he says, don't boast in all these false things. 虽然他一边说, 不要以这些, 呃, He's saying someone should boast. Uh, let their boast be that you understand God. Uh, or to use our father-son words. 哦，用如果我们用父亲儿子的话来说，let the son be the one who boasts in his father's compassion. 让儿子因着父亲的怜悯而夸口。We boast in the father's love and justice. 我们为父亲的爱跟他的公义来夸口。And that's where our heart is. 这是我们的心应当在的地方。But for us to be in that place, we have to know him that well. 可是我们如果要在那个地位，我们需要先认识他。It can't be just the the God, a distant God, someone we don't know. It has to be personal. And thank God it is. And he expresses it right here in Jeremiah. We know very well. What God is after is something very personal. So let's read a couple more verses from Jeremiah chapter 31. The verse we already read uh, earlier, verse 20, where he speaks. Is Ephraim, is Ephraim my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as often as I speak against him, I do remember him still. Therefore, my heart yearns for him. I will surely have mercy on him. So the Lord has been waiting and he is going to show mercy. He's, he's just longing to. And now let's turn to, to, down to uh, verse 31. And these are verses that are very dear to all of us. 
认识的。But let's hear it from the Father's heart speaking to us. 可是我们看看神的心如何说。As he declares, "Behold, the days are coming," declares the Lord, "when I will make a covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on that day when I took them up from the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband," declares the Lord. 耶和华说：“日子将到，我要与以色列家和犹大家另立新约，不像我拉着他们祖宗的手，领他们出埃及地的时候与他们所立的约。我虽做他们的丈夫，他们却背了我的约。”这是耶和华说的。For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 耶和华说：“那些日子以后，我与以色列家所立的约乃是这样：我要将我的律法放在他们里面，写在他们心上。我要做他们的神，他们要做我的子民。And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord.” 他们个人不再教导自己的邻舍和自己的弟兄说：“你该认识耶和华，因为他们从最小的到最大的都必认识我。” So of course we see here the promise of God that was fulfilled in Christ. 所以我们在这里看到神的应许乃是在耶稣基督里成就的。But let's keep our focus on that end result that the Lord wants. 可是我们要注意，就是神要的结局是什么 ？It's not a broad, vague people that is a bride for him. 啊，不是，好像就是一群啊，他的子民是他的心腹。What it is for him is that each one of us knows him. 对他重要乃是个人，就是单个的人都能够认识他。God wants each one of us to know him. And he wants the person next to you to know him. And your family member that doesn't know him to know him. And those people at work to know him. That's his heart. It's not a vague people thing. It's individuals knowing him. That's what he's after. And of course, he's fulfilled it in Christ's coming. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel is referred to as the Son of Man in that in that book. Ah, Ezekiel in this book, he is called the Son of Man. And Jesus, you know, called himself that. Just like Ezekiel, Jesus came into a very dark place and he brought God's light. But we know that God's yearning love for us was expressed in everything about what Jesus did. We know we can from Jesus' what he did and what he said. We can see God's yearning love for us. Sent his son. To grow up as a as a man, he can grow up as a man and to serve and then go to the cross. He fulfilled this man; he went to the cross. And that's what allowed him to put that new heart in us. That's what allowed him to forgive us our iniquities and bring us into fellowship. He also So we all know when we read that verse in Jeremiah, we know that that's it's our Lord Jesus who made all that possible. So we read in Jeremiah that it was Jesus who made all that possible. But our Lord Jesus also expressed the yearning of His Father in a very explicit way in the example we had from Matthew 23. Ah, Jesus, He made God's heart for us. We read in Jeremiah. Matthew, 
that's still there after 2,000 years. In verse 29, Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments. And before that, in verse 27, he says, You hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. So right at this point, Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's there to go to the cross, but he's he's directly addressing in this section. He's addressing the Pharisees, the ones who are 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 resisting God. They're all outward show and dead bones inside. And he he just sees through their hypocrisy. And out of love, our Lord Jesus says, Woe to you. Because sometimes you say, Oh, Jesus was so mad. <laughs> he must have been in a bad mood that day. And there he kind of let slip up and got angry. That's because we have the wrong idea of Jesus. A Bambi Pambi Jesus. Forget it. <laughs> Jesus, out of love, looked those Pharisees in the eye and said, Woe to you. Others, he he took them in their lap, but they had to be spoken to that way. And when we get to heaven, we're going to meet Pharisees who were saved because they had Jesus look them in the eye and say, Woe to you. And after the death and resurrection of Christ, some of those Pharisees became the Lord's people, became children of God. So when, when Jesus challenged the Pharisees, he was doing it out of love. When he expresses the very heart of the Father. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are, who, who are sent to it. How often have I wanted to gather? Here's, here's Jesus speaking for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How often have I wanted to gather you? Gather your children as as under the wing. But you were not willing. And see your house is left desolate. So not only did our Lord Jesus express the love of God in everything he did, we see him expressing the love of the Father in these, these words right to us. And the Lord Jesus knew that in a matter of years that place would be destroyed because of the judgment of God. But that doesn't change that the Father is longing for them to receive Him. Jesus is groaning because God has given them a relationship and they've rejected it. So I have some, some final thoughts as we meditate on these things. And I found uh, 
I was just asking questions to myself, so I'm going to ask you a question. As we consider the yearning compassion of our Father, we're, we're, we're just drawn into worship. But let's 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 return to the prodigal son story and the picture of that farm and that farmer. And the question for you and me today is what kind of son are you right now? Are you the son who doesn't even realize the value of what your father is doing and you're just Squandering it. You've been blessed and you've been blessed and you're blessed and you're basically squandering it. You're wasting it. Are you that kind of son? I pray nobody in this room is that way. Or are you the one who's obeying out of a sense of duty? I know this is right, that's why I'm doing it. I'm a Christian. You see the blessings of obeying, and you're even somewhat proud of being a good son. Uh, After all, there's many, many uh, not so good Christians around, and I'm doing pretty well. Uh, So not only am I a little bit proud if I'm this son, I'm also somewhat selfish, because I'm kind of serving God because it blesses me. Are we that kind of son? That's the son who doesn't really understand what the father is doing. He, he, he doesn't understand why the father is doing what he's doing. He doesn't understand his father's heart. His or are you a son who has come home from wasting things and now realize that your father is loving? I think those who were baptized this morning may be very much in appreciation that God the Father loves them. 我相信我们今天早上受尽的几位，他们真实心中领受啊，神是如何的爱他们。But put yourself in that farm. It's not just his compassion, but now are you a son who's now appreciating all the things that this farmer father is doing？啊，你你是不是看到就是神的怜啊慈慈爱跟怜悯跟这一切这个啊农夫所做的？ Instead of just doing chores, am I understanding why he's doing what he's doing? Am I growing in the sense of why our God, the Father, is doing what he's doing? Are you growing as a son who can be trusted with the business? Are you growing as a son who can uh, who can uh, who's motivated by the same principles in love? And the last question is are you and I aligning ourselves with our father's yearning for his own people? Uh, 
He's yearning for people where each person can say, I know God. Are we as sons aligning our hearts with that yearning? By the grace of God, may it be so. Uh, Let's have some prayer.